0: Welcome back into one of these years, our podcast about the Detroit Lions. Uh, thanks to everyone again who has listened and subscribed and rated us on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and, and Google and wherever else you can find us. Uh, 49 people can't be wrong on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> We're still rocking that five star review. So there uh, you go feel free to hop in and be number 50 hopefully with another (laughs) five-star review but we'll take 4.9 or 4.8 or whatever the math will work out to um but yeah thanks to everyone who's uh, listening there we got a bunch of uh mid-season content going up at theathletic.com as well as our usual you know game and team coverage uh trying to stay on top of things as best we can in the uh you know covid environment here Mm -hmm. so Thanks to everyone who's uh, subscribed and listened and all that. So uh, we'll get right into it here. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner. We're at the mid-season point for the Lions. They are three and five. They've been these last two games haven't looked great. It yeah. Doesn't look like they're trending upward these last two games.
1: No, that's a great way to put it. I mean, the last two. I mean, it's one of these things where we talk about all the time about um, you know who are you playing, how good's the team, and you know there's a case to be made, obviously, with the whole. Everyone's in the NFL and everyone's good and everything else. But at the same time, you know, when you're playing teams that are closer to your level, it's going to look a certain way. And when you're playing teams that have better answers, obviously, with the Lions. I mean, it just, again, like Chris, we've talked about this so many times. When they play their best, best, best football, like the best they can play, I I just, I still don't know if it's enough. And I think that 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 was sort of what we've seen even the last two weeks where there were stretches... Stretches of time where it looked good, where there were things that looked good, but then you put it all together and you say there were longer stretches of time where it just didn't. For and it's never the same reason; it's a number of reasons, which to me always goes back to the same thing, which is I just don't think they have what they need to do this the way they want to do it, and it's getting more and more difficult to you know find alternative answers to that or find reasons to suggest otherwise. I just it's getting harder and harder to. I wrote that on Sunday. Harder to squint through all this and see, you know, kind of light coming at the other side or over the hill.
0: What's the most complete game they've played this year? Jacksonville, I guess they won. I mean, that was an yeah. eighteen-point yeah. win. I mean, the Arizona game was kind of up and down. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. that that was a good game. That's a that's a decent. I mean, that's not a great team, but that's an okay team. And uh, I thought they played pretty well on defense that day. They forced three turnovers. It's got to be the Jacksonville game, I guess. You know, Atlanta was the miracle. Uh-huh. They've gotten yeah. clobbered th- four times, really, if you want to count the Saints game. I mean, they kind of made it a game at the end, but the Saints. Right. That was that was not a six-point game for most of that game. No. Uh So they've really lost pretty handily four times now, uh, and then had the Bears one at the start, which uh, you know again it's that also keeps coming up. Like four and four looks a little different at this point than three and five, but you know at some point it's got to. Right, it's got to turn a corner, and yeah, it just—I uh, I, don't—I don't know. I just—it was interesting listening to Matt Patricia's press conference on Monday, um, because—and you pointed out when he asked the question, it was Brad Gally, uh mm-hmm. asked him, you know, what is this. You know what what is what was the wording on it like what he is said,
1: t- he said you know because because you know Patricia had been talking about how the Vikings are known for their run game right. everyone knows that Delvin Cook is a dude and you know and he says that a lot right he says you know and it's right I mean he says a lot of things about you know this team is known for this or that team is identity is that and Brad basically asked like well what would you th- what would you say you know if you were coaching you guys what would you say that your identity is and I mean it was a great question I don't know if we got an answer and <laughs> you know I mean really yeah so yeah right
0: I mean I think he said we want to be a team that wins in the trenches basically was right. the answer you know which that is not the <laughs> exactly that is yeah. not what I think about when I think about this team I mean I think they have run the ball all right at times we talked about the pre-Minnesota progress in the run defense but this isn't a team that you go into these games and think well they're just gonna they're going to – this is going to be bully ball for 60 minutes. They're just going to power through this game. And, again, I think they did that a little bit. You know, Jacksonville was probably the height of it. Uh, They rushed for 180. They held Jacksonville to 44, but that's a terrible Jacksonville team, and they haven't been able to do it, uh, at least on both sides of the ball, Uh, they haven't been able to do it in other games. So I don't know. And I think the other illuminating thing from that press conference was – some shouting out media members. Maybe it was Carlos. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Maybe, somebody yeah. a- somebody asked, you know what? What do you see as as things that have been really good this year? Or what's gotten better in the second quarter oh, of right, the season? Right. That's what it was. What's been yeah. better in the second quarter of the season than was in the first quarter of the season? And he talked about <clears throat> kick coverage. Mm-hmm. He right. talked about <laughs> blocking punts, and he talked about Jack Fox. And then yeah. he talked about how they needed to get better on offense and defense. And that, <laughs> like that to me, yeah, that sort of lays it out for you. Yeah. Uh, if those are your thing, if kick coverage and blocking punts are the things that you're hanging your hat on, uh, that's not a playoff team right no, there. No, <laughs>
1: especially, especially when you don't force many punts uh, to begin with. So you can't block, you don't have as many block <laughs> right. opportunities. Right. To force them. Uh, But you know, that's the point, right? Where it's like, there's no answer. And, you know, and and Patricia has been asked difficult questions, obviously, for a long time here. And he often does, you know, an admirable job of talking around them. Uh, But I just found that, yeah, you said it. I mean, two of those yesterday, whether it was Carlos or Brad or whoever asked these, I mean, there's a couple that were asked that were just like, he can't talk out of them. I mean, and even he looks at, you know, we're not with him in the room anymore, but... You know, sometimes, you know, especially after Brad's, I just, I looked at the look on his face and he kind of looked like he was like, yeah, Brad, that's a pretty damn good question. And I really don't have an answer for you. (laughs) And that's, that's kind of how it went. And it's like, Uh and there's not even any way to explain out of that or say anything different other than, you know, all the plan is just not coming together. I mean, we know what the plan is. I mean, everybody knows what the goal was or the plan is. And you said it, it's to, it's to hammer people on offense, to grind the clock to establish the, you know, downhill run game that can assist with with Stafford's play action, and then to be, you know, uh, capable of bothering people and forcing them to finish a drive with a kick. Uh, You know, preferably a field goal or a punt. Uh, And they just don't do enough of any of it. They don't do enough of any of it. And that's, if it were, they were doing half of it and not the other half, it would be one thing. But it's not that. It's, you know, they at times will run the ball effectively downhill and then for stretches they won't and it doesn't work like that when you go three and out and give the team you know give your defense you know get right back on the field and then defensively as we've seen they just against anybody with a moderate run game uh the personnel it just it just doesn't work you know i mean it just doesn't work and it's not it's not calls in the run game i mean they've adjusted a lot of that uh, to where, you know, we were talking about that back in early September where it's just like, well, at least, just stop at least giving people yards, you know, like you were against Green Bay. And I think they've changed a lot of that, but it still just comes right down to they just don't have enough guys. And they don't have enough guys that, that are difference makers. They don't have any game wreckers in that in that front seven. Nobody. even, And I would include even, you know, as great a player as Trey Flowers is, that's really not his bag to Mm-mm. individually wreck a game. So they just don't have anyone like that and so it forces them to play without margin for error and you they just are not talented enough to do it and uh it's hard for a lot of people to say and stomach and it was hard to listen to um it's been hard to listen to a lot of these guys Uh, you know obviously it was hard to listen to Stafford after the game it was hard to listen to Deron Harmon yesterday talk about how frustrated he was with everything you know um he was asked about the personal foul which is completely out of uh, you know, we've gotten to know Dron Harmon a little bit. That was surprising to everyone that he, you know, sort of lost his school and he was upset about that. So it's a building of very frustrated people looking for answers um, that, frankly, I just don't know if they're going to find them. And that's that's the takeaway that that I'm kind of sitting here with is that it's not a group that's given up. It's not a group that stopped trying, uh, not even close. I mean, they're, they're, they're fighting as hard as they can, but I just, you know, I mean, you got to call a spade a spade at some point and they just don't have enough.
0: Yeah, and Stafford said a few times now, and it's mostly been after losses. You know, the most frustrating thing for him, other than landing on the COVID list for five days yeah, this season, right. is that he he said several times, you know, we're putting in the work and we're not seeing the results on Sunday. And I think that speaks to your point that this isn't you know this isn't a team that's just coasting. It doesn't seem to be coasting through the week. Again, no. we're not yeah. out there uh, as much as nearly as much as we normally would be. We're not in the locker room, so it's a little harder to gauge this stuff. But I think. Last year, down the stretch, we saw when they were out of it, they were starting David Blau, you know, half the team was injured. The effort was still good. I mean, they mm-hmm. were still playing hard, and I think you still you see that this year, and I, I'm sure it's translating over, um, you know, into these virtual meetings. Patricia's talked glowingly about how guys have approached this entire season from mm-hmm. as far back as, you know, April or May until mm-hmm. last week. And so I don't think that effort is really the issue here, and, and so there is going to be – I mean it feels like there almost has to be a breaking point for some of these guys if you're yeah. not going to get wins, you know, uh, and that that was kind of the feeling I had watching Stafford's, you know, post-game press conference on Sunday. Um is it was just like what was this any of this worth it for me to yeah, do what I right. did this past week, right. you know, 5 days in a hotel, private plane out to the out to Minnesota, like I can't see my family and you know, I I get knocked out of the game we get run out of the building like what what are we doing here (laughs) and yeah and and so it is kind of hard to watch and uh but i don't know i don't know that they have any of the answers and that's the other thing like i get uh, always get after these games people on twitter kind of criticizing um us in the media for not asking Mm -hmm. more pointed questions i guess but I think a lot of these things that people want to know, you know, why can't you cover crossing routes and why yeah, right. are you using Peterson so much? And, I mean, I think a lot of these questions have been asked. And, like you said, they they kind of have been able to talk around them. And I think part of that is because that's just how football coaches are. But the other part <laughs> is I don't think they know a lot of the answers. Like, I don't think they had – they left that Minnesota game and thought, oh, well, we should have done this to stop Dalvin Cook. Like, we had that in our bag right. and we didn't use it. I just don't think they had an, anything that would have helped them there.
1: Yeah, defensively, especially. I, I don't know what else there is left to do to try. I don't know what what else. You said it. I mean, what else do you try? I mean, it feels like to me, defensively, they've basically tried everything. I mean, they're, you know, they have changed. You know, they have changed coverage more. It seems anyway in certain in certain spots of the game where we're used to seeing them do certain things. Uh, they've changed. You know, front shades and done different things with you know personnel in the middle of the, in the middle of the defense and you know done everything i mean they've you know changed safeties a corner has been got a revolt a revolving door they've got some guys healthy and there's never an answer and it's just there's because there's not going to be you know i think that that's the thing i mean they there's just not going to be it just isn't enough uh, you know and i think that the one thing you flip it around and you say, well, yeah, we've talked about this several times. Is I, I think we agree that there are things they can do offensively to maybe give themselves a better chance. But, you know, the thing with that is even if they do all those things, the defensive problems are still going to be there. And even if you find yourself just turning into a shootout team, you know, there's no promise you're going to win these shootouts either. So, like, every single game is just – there's nothing – they're, they're just very average in, in many areas, even when they play their best. Uh, I mean, you know, a guy like Danny Amendola, who no one's ever going to question how hard he trains and takes care of his body and, you know, watches tape and does all the things he needs to do to get himself ready to play. Um, you know, and he's still ma- he's making mistakes, but there's also issues of he's not getting separation the way that you'd like him to. He's not He's not open as much as you'd like him to. These windows are tighter. I mean, there, it's, it's like that with a lot of guys. And it's just not, you know, Vitae battling through what he's battling through. He didn't even play bad, you know, the other day. It's just, you know, it's a matter of uh, all this stuff sort of coming together at once. And there's just not enough answers, uh, especially defensively. And, um, you know, it's... It's hard for a lot of people because, you know, a reset here would have to be, you know, I think we all agree, the full the full deal, the full reset. Everything has to start over and blah, blah, blah. And while there are, you know, you know guys on this team that are, you know, I don't know if you'd call them foundation pieces, but pieces that would be, you know, here in the future and guys that you can lean on, uh, there's certainly not enough of them. Uh, and on defense, man alive, there's just like, it's on less than one hand, it feels like. Uh, and even like half of two fingers maybe sometimes it feels like so that's that's what you're working with here it's just not a great roster the plan um you know with what they wanted to do it you know i don't know how much longer they're they're contending they need but you know when we look around and see what they've done that feels like they've they've made the moves they've wanted to make they've got the guys they've wanted to get in here uh, some guys have had injuries obviously to deal with but by and large you know the buttons just the, the buttons just aren't being pushed and it's just not it's just not working out
0: I mean, I, I think that there's – we've talked about it before too. There's just such a narrow path for them in most of these games. Like mm-hmm. everything's got to happen. And and you go back to Sunday and taking Trey Flowers out of that lineup, we talked about it. I mean, you brought it up I think last week after we you know knew he, he was hurt. To take him out of that lineup is a bigger deal than I think a lot of people yeah. would have thought. And I think you felt that – in the run game, I mean, he's a really good run defender, and some of those get. I mean, you take him oh, out yeah. of there, yep. mm-hmm. and suddenly, you know, some of those runs that maybe he's even slowing down a little bit at the first level are getting to the second level, getting to the third level, and we know what the Lions are, especially at the second level. And that yeah. was a that was maybe Jamie Collins' worst game yeah, as a Lion, was, was which doesn't help anything because there's no one else in that linebacking core that's really going to step up and make plays. I mean, they're not very good on the edge um you know Romeo Acor has been a really good pass rusher he's an okay run defender he's not a guy that's going to stuff out a rush defense which is why or a rushing game which is why you know that three man front at the start of games has not included him mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean i just don't i don't know i, I spinning it forward uh in our observations our know, our midseason observations that went up um this week on the athletic you know i mentioned uh, kind of looking through this roster like it's okuda yeah i think it's tracy walker and then you're kind of like well maybe if trey flowers is healthy and plays out his contract maybe if they resign okora like i guess oral warrior could develop into one of these guys pennacini has been all right but there aren't like you're not looking on offense you could say all right let's clean house we'll bring someone else in you've got seven or eight starters in place you've got your quarterback you know you've got guys who can you've got playmakers like the offense should be pretty in pretty good shape right. regardless of what the coaching staff is next year I don't I mean the defense this could be a two or three year project to get back to being an oh, yeah. average defense uh yeah. and I just that's that's pretty daunting to think about too but I just don't know it, it isn't getting better like you said there isn't any progress being made it's not like you say all right well They're clearly at a better point right now than they were at the midpoint last season. I don't think that's true. I mean, it feels like they're they're right back in the same spot. I just don't – it feels like just a year's gone by. They just killed a year, basically, Uh, and now I have no idea what they do. Because even if you get – even if miracle of miracles, you run off three in a row here between now and Thanksgiving, you get to six and five, you start thinking, all right, well, maybe we've got some momentum. The December-January schedule is – Three games against the NFC North, the Titans and the Bucks, and they and that's something I want to talk about too. They can't beat the NFC North. No, Minnesota yeah. two and thirteen. Though choose this yeah. team up, Chicago has chewed this defense up. I mean, is there is there anything standing out to you there that you know you've got to be able to compete within a division? And espe- again, especially defensively, they are just not competitive against these teams that they have to beat.
1: No. And I mean, you nailed it because you look at the look at the guys on defense that you would even call, you know, long term answers, guys that you would say, you know, that you know are going to be here and are going to be guys that are going to be part of this thing no matter what. And Okuda would have to be number one because you have no choice. You just took him number three in the draft. So and while I think we both think that, you know, it's it's far. We're not even close to time to panic on him yet. But, you know, he's. He's in there without having to prove it yet, just because of where he's been drafted. Walker would be one, but also Tracy Walker hasn't been anywhere close to as consistent as they thought he was going to be or hoped maybe he would be this year. And then frankly, it, it all it looks like I don't know if you know sitting him early in the season messed with him or that was warranted based on how he performed in camp. But the coverage hasn't been what we thought it would be. Uh, you know, Danny Shelton is held up, but it's not you know not a long term answer. Deron Harmon's not a long term answer. Uh, Jamie Collins really isn't either, you know, I mean, Nick Williams. I mean, you go across the board and you say they've, they've made all these decisions and moves with guys that, were, that came here to plug gaps and maybe hopefully somehow it would magically turn into something playable and it just hasn't. And then if you just brought somebody else in here with fresh eyes and said, look at this defensive roster, what do you want to do with it? They would probably say, I need to erase a lot of stuff here because I don't know what we have, you know, and that's kind of the problem. They don't have a game wrecker in any level defensively, they don't have anything in the front the in the front four front three nothing in the middle nothing on the back end so it's very difficult and, and i think that when you look across the board i mean the chicago games are the ones that are probably the biggest head scratchers and those have always come down to it seems like just either weird circumstances or them botching something uh that's just inexcusable i think feel like the chicago games are the ones where people get the most upset uh watching <laughs> minnesota has guys that the lions can't defend and Green Bay is Green Bay. I mean, that's like what it always seems to come down to. Uh, and I don't know how else to point it out. When, when you're struggling against everybody that you play the most, and they are, they're 2-13 and 13 against these teams, they can't figure them out. And then you flip the script around and you say, well, you know, Green Bay, Chicago, and Minnesota know everything about Detroit, and they're never surprised, and they do exactly what they want to do every time. You've You, you run out of all your, you exhaust everything, and you say, you know, what else is left to happen here? What can reasonably happen here? for them to change this between now and, you know, forget the end of the season. Like if you were to say, Matt, Patricia, you have another two years. What, what, where would you start on the list of like, well, what do you need to do to get, you know, okay, Matt, we're going to give you two more years. And by the end of that second year, we need you to be like 12 and four or 11 and five, right? Like what, I don't even know. I don't know how that looks or how that works. You'd have to get, you know, you'd have to get Walker to turn around completely. You'd have to get Okuda to pan out very fast. Uh, Pennicini would have to be like a. I mean, you'd have every one of these guys that we've talked about would have to suddenly turn into a longer term answer, even though we know they're not. And I just that's the thing where I kind of look at it and say, if you do give these guys longer, what are you going to be doing in that stretch? Is it ever going to get any better? I just feel like the top out of this whole thing just isn't going to be what anybody wants, even if they get there. And I don't know if they can even get there.
0: Yeah. And I I think a lot of this does go back, as we've said over and over again, this is Matt Patricia is the guy who's taking the heat week in and week out. Right. Uh, A lot of this goes back to Bob Quinn and to the scouting staff. I mean, Okuda, you hope is going to be an elite talent at some point, but certainly he's not there yet. And Walker, same thing. And but where's the homegrown talent on this team? Yeah, right. I mean, you can't just win by going out and signing 30-year-old guys to two-year contracts in the right. offseason and building a defense. You've got to have some homegrown talent, and and nothing's really panned out. I mean, I, I think Oro Warrior has shown progress. I think Walker, again, Walker and Okuda maybe are there. Penasini's been all right. But there aren't a lot of guys here that they've drafted and developed to be core pieces of this defense that are going to be here into the future. And so that makes it pretty difficult to move forward. And, you know, I, I mentioned the NFC North games because those are kind of easy, like bellwether games for me. You know, you see the Saints yeah. once every four years or whatever it is, and, and Drew Brees plays well. It's like, all right, well, yes. you know, that's yes. yeah, that's, that, that's not something that you are super familiar with that offense or anything. But these these games against Green Bay, Chicago, Minnesota, you're seeing these guys twice a year. I mean, I mean, Gary Kubiak's been running the same offense for decades. <laughs> right. Like yeah. there are not many surprises in what Minnesota is going to throw at you. It's the yep. same every time, you know. And the line—I t- I mean, I've tweeted out a couple times over the course of Sunday and Monday over the last three games uh, against Detroit, off play action. Kirk Cousins' QB rating is like 150. He is Man. just torching <laughs> this defense. Off play action, and you can see it. It's this, you know. We t- it's not just Minnesota. We talk about it every time there's a decent play action quarterback. I mean, the linebackers aren't getting deep enough. The safeties aren't covering space. The cornerbacks, if they're in zone, don't seem to know where they're yeah. supposed to be going. I mean, it's just all sorts of problems all over the field. But again, you should know this Minnesota offense, even in a weird year, you know, even with some injuries, you should have some sort of counter to be able to stay competitive. And Minnesota. Put up 487 yards of offense, right. and you know 275 of them on the ground, and it felt like if Dalvin Cook had wanted, if they'd wanted to rush for like 350 in that game, Dalvin Cook probably could have rushed for 350. So I just don't know. To me, that's the clearest sign that nothing's happening defensively. Is that these same three teams just keep killing you yeah. on defense with the same
1: stuff? Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, it's not. It, yeah, it's not something that. Like, come out of that game like, oh, well, we didn't have any of that on tape. That wasn't there before. It's it's the same concepts. It's the same scheme. It's the same quarterbacks. I mean, it's it's really hard to argue that progress is being made when six times a year <laughs> you're seeing right. that there's I no mean, progress.
1: We're talking about guys like, you know, Deshaun Hand's in the middle of year three, and it's like, Are we going to see anything different, or is this going to be what this is? We're talking about Jared Davis being a situational pass rusher at the – it was a first-round pick. You know I mean? Like, you're talking about guys that you've gotten down the road with, and you've said, you know, these are the guys that are supposed to be, you know, when you look around for answers because they're doing the same thing against you. Well, at some point, when teams are just doing the same thing against you, you've got to just beat blocks, make tackles, and make plays. And they just don't have enough guys that can do it. I mean, that's just the bottom-line situation here. They don't have enough guys – that can you know get off blocks and make plays in the run game, and it's it kills everything they do in the pass game because as sick and tired as people uh, of it that people get of hearing the complimentary football stuff, it's it's all true. Like you can't if you can't stop Delvin Cook or Aaron Jones, uh, you know, from getting seven yards a carry, there's like no conceivable way in hell that you're going to be able to stop any play action stuff. Or any any scenario that involves two backs on the field where you're having to, you know, load the box and worry about things that you can't stop, even if they run them straight at you, and suddenly if they want to counter off that, you have no hope. And that's what it feels like because there's just not enough There's not enough answers. Every time they've gotten beat in the run game, it's, it, you know, beat badly in a way, for the most part, it's been, if you just look at it, They've got nothing up front. They've got no ability to either, you know, maintain a gap or keep linebackers even remotely clean. And far too often, those linebackers are missing tackles even when they are in the right gap. Sometimes they miss their gap. Uh, Sometimes the secondary misses a gap or they miss tackles. And it's like, why would anybody do anything different? You guys haven't proven the ability to, you know, sort of step up in the moment and make a play and be someone who is assertive. I mean, I know that defense in 2020 is... Extremely difficult, and a lot of it is just hanging on for dear life and hoping to God that the other side screws up or trips over its own feet. But, you know, the best defenses still in football today have guys that can change the game. Make They make you do something different offensively. They make you go away from certain things that you know you're going to be able to do well, and they make you come up with another answer. The Lions just don't have anyone defensively that makes another team say, we can't do what we want to do this week. I mean, other than maybe the Jaguars or teams like that, but when we're talking about teams that are average or better, they don't have anybody defensively that is going to make an offensive. I mean, you know, Flowers is a guy that you have to game plan for, but you're not saying, oh, God, we can't do X, Y, and Z because Trey Flowers is on the field. It's just not, not a thing. So that's a problem, and, you know, all the other things combined with it You know, I think it would be one thing, Chris, if they had a couple guys, like two guys somewhere in this defense that were just like heat seekers who if all nine, the other nine were screwing up and having trouble and whatever, at least you got the two guys who can go make plays for you and bail you out. They don't have any of that. And that's the thing that the last two years watching this team, that's kind of the case across the board. Stafford is the closest thing they have to that on either side of the ball. And Stafford's 32 now, you know, and it's been beat up pretty good. Like they just don't have anybody that's like – Hey man, go get us, go get us out of this. You know, go help us out. Galladay maybe would be one, but like they don't have enough, and and that's the long and short of it. And that's why you know all the, like you said, Patricia gets a lot of this, but like Bob Quinn cannot be absolved in any of this because I know that you know you're working with a salary cap and you're working with a quarterback with a big contract, but you're not getting explosive value certainly, and the value you are getting is like well that's nice, but it's not going to be enough to you know do anything when it, when you know it gets down to. You know, we got to have it time, and and that's kind of the situation.
0: The uh, other quote, I guess, that jumped out to me this week was Matthew Stafford after the game. I mentioned that sort of, like, worn-down persona he presented for everyone for the press conference. But he talked about, you know, someone asked him why they didn't throw the ball deep. I think he attempted one pass over 20 yards. It was the first play of the game to Marvin Hall, and then that was the only deep ball they threw all game. And Stafford said, well, you know, they're – they were dropping too high. Mm-hmm. Uh they were firing their safeties out or their linebackers back. Um you know just running out of there as soon as we ran play action to take away the deep stuff. So I was just living underneath. And this yep. has been basically what every team to some extent has Certainly done in the, the north Lions this year. Yep. Uh, yep. Yep. Just ru- drop those safeties, give them the underneath stuff and you know Stafford even used the phrase, you know, they were playing Ben Don't Break defense, which is supposed to be what the Matt Patricia defense is, right. and it keeps a it keeps giving up huge plays, and b it's not forcing any turnovers. They, I mean, they're zero and four in games where they haven't forced a turnover. And to me, this is this goes back to the huge problem on offense, which is you know they're make they are making those mistakes, so the teams can sit around and wait for them to break because a lot of games they're breaking, but they're also you know we keep going back to this theme of you know controlling the game and dictating tempo and all that. They are making it way too easy for other teams to force them to do things that maybe they don't want to do. And it's not that they're taking that underneath stuff and really taking advantage of it. It's not like they're using play action and clearing ten yards of room underneath and then throw. Feel like we do this every week, throwing the ball to Hawkinson or Swift or you know Agnew when he's healthy. It's. They're taking the underneath stuff and throwing it to Danny Amendola for six yards and nothing after the catch, or they're you know right. throwing it to Kabinda had a catch or Adrian Peterson on a screen. Like they're not, they're letting defenses take away what they do best, which is to get the ball deep and to stretch the field, and they're not making defenses pay with the other things that are out there. And so you get you know you get kind of caught in these spots where you are in. You know, the bend-don't-break doesn't work because the Lions are usually behind. Yep. They're usually behind the sticks, and they can't come up with chunk plays, and you sort of see the result. And I don't know how you fix that either if they're going to be so stubborn with what they're doing on that side of the ball.
1: Right. Two things there. The the bend-don't-break stuff is the philosophy there would just be, you know, you're not going to give up any shots. You're not going to get beat deep. You're not going to get – you know, that's your whole thing. You just don't want to get beat over the top. However, none of that works – if you can't stop the run, like, and that's, that's number one. So they can't do that because they can't stop the run. And then you flip it around on offense. And like you said, the Lions are doing nothing to get teams out of their original plan for the game. You know, their original, you know, that's, that's what we've seen I think every week for the most part is teams come in to, you know, they come into these games against Detroit defensively with the plan of especially the teams in the NFC North, because they've seen all this. It's, like you said, it's put the it's put two safeties deep. Uh make sure that nothing goes over the top. Make sure that you're, you know, sort of buzzing those linebackers in the middle of the field and into those little like corners where you can get Marvin Jones in maybe a little bit or you can get Hawkinson over the middle. Make sure that that stuff's taken away and say, you know, if it's whether it be, you know, 3 deep or 2 deep or cover 4 or whatever it is, uh, you know, the five yards and under stuff is basically the no cover zone where you're just saying, we're not going to cover it because you're not going to put anyone on the field that's going to make us cover it. Like, and we know you're not going to do it and they don't ever do it. And that's <laughs> why, that's why the situation ends up looking the exact same every time. And we listen to Stafford at the end of every game sort of say, you know, oh guys, I don't know what to tell you because like, this is just like, we're just running into a wall. And, uh, And I think, yeah, I mean, I think it all works together in that you can't play defense the way you want to because you can't stop the run. Um, And offensively, you know, I think that we've made the case, and I think everybody has by now, that there's certainly opportunities if they would like to adjust and pick a different lane, but they just won't do it. And at this point, you know, this deep into the Patricia tenure, I I mean, if he doesn't want to jump ship and change another lane, well, I mean, I don't know what else to say. I mean, you know, you've got to exhaust all your options, I suppose. But, you know, maybe at this point it's just survive and hang on with what you got but you know that's it they don't they don't have enough pieces or at least on offense enough willingness anyway um to force teams to do anything that they're not comfortable with and that's you can't win like that in the NFL you can't win like that in college uh you could win like that in college maybe if you had better talent than everybody else but that's never going to be the case in the NFL so you just can't play like that i mean you can't you can't play that way if you don't have your own set of guys who are going to be able to influence games in a way that nobody else can, and you know if you make mistakes, and you can't stop. You just can't do it. I mean, they just don't have the roster to play the way they want to play. We've talked about this a lot. It's idealistic football. In a vacuum, it makes a lot of sense. Everything Matt Patricia says makes sense. He knows more about football than the two of us combined will ever remember. Uh, and I think we would all argue, a lot of people would probably argue, that listening to Matt Patricia week to week talk about certain types of things within the game makes us all smarter about the game, but at the end of the day, that still doesn't change the fact that the roster is the roster, and you're handling it in a way that is just too sort of, I don't know, idealistic, I don't know how to call it, but it's not enough adjustments based on what you have, and not enough in the bag with what you have to make those adjustments work anyway, and it's just... It's You know, add it all up, and this is exactly what you got. It's an average or below-average team.
0: I will say this, too. Cover two does not completely erase the ability to go downfield It doesn't. I mean, it helps, certainly. Cover two, cover three, whatever. I mean, obviously, that's part of the idea of it, is to kind of put the umbrella over top and not let stuff get deep. But if you want to throw deep, there are ways to go deep against yeah. a cover two defense. We like see, you just, uh, we <laughs> see old Joe Milton
1: trying it every single, every single <laughs> Saturday. Right, well, so yeah, right. maybe that's not the best example. So
0: maybe it does. But no, work. you're right. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, I just say, just again, it, it just, it feels like teams are saying, here's what we're going to do. And they know going into the game, I mean, the lions have to know by this point that that's what they're going to see yeah. in large part defensively. And we're eight weeks in and I don't, it doesn't feel like they've come up with a great response to it. Um, Right, and they, you know, they put up 420 yards of offense on Sunday. They had the run game got going a little bit more. Um, got hurt by some turnovers in the those couple uh, interceptions by Stafford in the red zone. But you know, it wasn't like it was uh, a really fluid performance offensively. And I think teams are also willing to let them again. This is kind of back to the bend but don't break thing. Kind of willing to let them get down to like the 20, 25, and then yeah. tighten up because you can't really go deep anymore at that point unless you're throwing, you know, fades to the end zone. Um, and the Lions don't have a lot that works in those spaces either. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we got everyone feeling pretty good here, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it gets even harder when you don't have Galladay, obviously. And yeah, I, of I course. Should, I shouldn't joke on Joe Milton; he's hanging in there, obviously. But, but to, to that point, when teams play zone, when teams want to play that two deep or three deep, way way back against a guy with a big arm, and Stafford has a big arm. You know, sometimes he takes a shot over the top and says, you've got to respect this, and he did on the first play of the game. And sometimes he'll try to fit one, you know, into a really tight window and, and remind guys that you got to respect this. But you can only do that so many times. You can only ask your quarterback to do, do that so many times without taking advantage of the underneath stuff more efficiently to force them to come out of some things and, you know, give yourself a better chance. And I think that's what the long and short of it is. When you continue to try to be dedicated to establishing the run, in a, in a in an almost archaic way for the sake of this, nothing else other than establishing the run, I guess. I mean, running, what was it, third and goal, third and one, whatever. Yeah. That, yeah. You know, what are we doing here? Like, what is that? Like, you go out there with the heavy stuff again and Peterson and just run into a wall because everyone in the state of Minnesota knew what you were going to do on that play. Like, that, that stuff, man, they're just not good enough to get away with this vanilla crap and – and I don't know how else to to really. Lo- it's been a weird year. It's been tough. Obviously, they've had injuries. It's, you know, and I, you know, you have to take that into account when you talk about you know stuff like with Daryl Bevel and all the things they're trying to put in. But man, it's been eight games now. Like there's adjustments that can be made here, and it just doesn't feel like they're exploring them enough in the moment. And um, it just gets tougher and tougher to to sort of see you know where this changes.
0: Yeah, well, the, since you brought up Milton, I, I mean, I mentioned to you and <laughs> you, while we were talking Sunday, like the start of the game for the Lions. I, I mean, it felt just like watching the Michigan game over again. <laughs> like yeah, they got yeah. the ball first. They put it on I think You're Michigan right. took the ball first. Yeah, they did. Uh, chose to have the ball because they wanted to go make a statement, and they went and lost like three or four yards and punted. And mm-hmm. Indiana marched down. It was seven nothing. The Lions got the ball first. They come out, take a shot, clearly trying to kind of open yeah. it up right away. Uh, it goes incomplete. Then they run Adrian Peterson, who actually get, you know he got seven or eight yards. And then they go to the like a, a sprint out for Danny Amendola Ugh. on third and two, and they get one. Right. And then they punt, and Minnesota has one of the easiest touchdown drives of the NFL season coming right back. And suddenly you're up against it because now you're trailing. You're not getting the ball to start the second half, and uh, you know it, it just changes the whole tenor of the game. And. Uh, it just, it just felt. It's seven to nothing. It felt like it was unraveling, and yep. then it happened again. It was thirteen nothing. And you're like, well, that's, that's this it. is going to be pretty tough because they yeah. don't have enough stops in them to make they this again. Don't have
1: enough stops, and they don't play a style of offense that is explosive enough for them to come back. And you know, that's that's another thing too that that has to be taken into account here is that their game plan offensively oftentimes ends up having to go in the trash can before they can even get to the second half before they can even get to halftime. I mean, it's like. Their plan is just destroyed because, yeah, like you said, I mean, you're running a sprint out at the sticks on third and two when everyone knows it's what you're going to do. You get one like you're giving yourself no wiggle room, you know. And so when you can't play from behind and you can't stop the run, like, what are we talking about? And that's oftentimes why these games look like they're over sometimes before they start because we know how this is going to go barring some sort of unforeseen crazy stuff and that's that's you know that's it's frustrating, but you know I, I don't know how else to paint it anymore.
0: All right, well I, I'm trying to be more positive. Yeah, in we, life. I mean, there's a couple <laughs> things. Yeah, we could try. Uh, watching <laughs> the state of Michigan's football team in on life, Saturday yeah, and like Sunday that. did not help me no. with that goal. But uh, so I tweeted out on uh, Monday, you know, just asking people for one thing. One positive takeaway over the first eight games of the season. Yeah, uh, and got uh, a lot of the answers <laughs> were, were what I expected. Um, uh, you know, the seasons that we only have eight games eight left. Games to Watch. Left. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have to. I didn't have to pay for tickets this year. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the uniforms look okay. Um, you know, some of that stuff. The one that kept coming up the most is what Patricia highlighted: uh, special teams, Braden Coombs, which. Aside from whatever's happening with Matt Prater, I think we can yeah. universally say has been pretty phenomenal. To to block a punt in the NFL is almost impossible. The Lions have somehow done it three times in mm-hmm. two weeks. Uh, Jack Fox has been great. Kick coverage has been incredible. Uh, so that is, I, I think, objectively, that special teams – other than Prater, have been a positive this year, which that's one.
1: Yeah, and like last year, I can remember at the beginning of the year we were talking about it was a disaster at times, right? Like right. they had all yeah. kinds of issues on special teams last year, where it was like you're just giving teams either giving teams the ball back sometimes or giving up field position. But no, I mean they hit it with they hit it with Fox for sure. I mean he is just this is ridiculous. Now it's been eight games. I mean I think it's been enough to you know say that he uh, this doesn't appear to be a fluke uh, for sure. And, you know, I don't know what it is. Special teams is always one of those things. It's hard for me to put my finger on. But you have to give Braden Coombs a bunch of credit because we talked about this back in September. Like, they didn't have any – remember the first rep they had? Uh, Were you – I don't – I think you – yeah, we were both there. The first, like, kickoff rep they had in camp. Remember this? It took like an hour for them to get like a kickoff <laughs> right. accomplished, yeah, because yeah. they hadn't repped it. Like there was no time to there was no time to do anything. That was still when Huntley was on the team and everything else. Yeah, like, to go from to go from that to to what they're doing right now, I think speaks to two things: one, Braden Coombs knows what he's doing, and two, the Lions as a roster. Are playing their asses off, and I think that that's the thing that I would take away from that as as much of anything, and not to not to you know take down anything away from Coombs or whatever, because obviously he's been good, but like to get that kind of effort, you know, on special teams in a, in games where it looks hopeless, I think that that says something about something, and I think that that's a takeaway here is that this team, and I think that's part of the reason why. Maybe it's not. Every fan has their own reason why they watch games. But we see we see people throw their hands up in the air and say, I'm never coming back to this. And they come back. And I think in some ways this year it's felt a little different because this team has... They have tried. They have given you everything that they have in them to give you. It hasn't worked out the way that anyone's wanted to, obviously. And maybe it's worked out the way that most people thought it would. But... And maybe this is part, partially because we don't have the access what we have. But you don't hear the complaining... You don't hear the, well, if he we just run this different than this thing, would you know we wouldn't be screwing ourselves every week. We, we, you hear like yesterday from Duran Harmon when I think it was Dave or somebody asked him, you know, we're not in the locker room. What's the locker room like? And he's basically, he kind of said, you know, he's like, it's just a bunch of people trying to figure it out. And that's what we're trying to do right now. And guys are playing hard. So I think that, you know, special team stuff has been obviously very good to see. But my big takeaway on that is guys are playing really hard. They blocked the punt in that game in the fourth quarter. Like, I mean, the guys are just going after it. I think that's that's that shouldn't be overlooked to a degree, but I just don't know how much that gives you at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, it's also – it kind of goes back to the Bob Quinn personnel discussion for me too because for – I mean, I think we're seeing the, the benefits of how they've approached this, but the ability for guys to play on special teams is yeah. almost as important as anything else once you get beyond the starting 11 yeah. on each side of the ball. And so – I don't know if there's a way to tweak that formula but you're obviously seeing the 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 payoff here on their coverage units and on their 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 protection units and everything like that but um you also have a roster that's built up of you know 20 guys that are kind of special teams only players right. <laughs> and so it's yeah. sort of a weird mix of well we're doing this stuff really well but also you know do we need? Miles Killebrew and Jalen Reeves, Mabin, and Tony McRae and Mike Ford. And it's all this list of guys who only do one thing for you. And so it is, uh, I mean, I think a lot of NFL teams have those guys built in, but it is interesting to see how they've had so much success there um, and uh, just haven't been able to translate it. The Coombs thing, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, I could watch every rep they've taken on special teams and I don't know how much I'd pick up that's different from what they were doing last year. It's just, And they've said it's different. Miles Killebrew, you know, I asked him that specific question a few weeks ago. You know, I said, I, you know, like I can watch the offense and defense. I don't understand special teams the way, like it's just, it's not something that, you know, you would be able to pick up little nuances of um, without being in it every day. Can you explain what Braden Coombs is doing? And he talked about, you know, well, some of the, he's tweaked some of the techniques we have to get off blocks and all this sort of stuff. And again, like, that is a fine answer. That doesn't help me a right. lot. I can't yeah. say they're doing this differently than what they were doing last year. But clearly, it's much, much better than it was. And the, and Braden Coombs, I think, is a huge bright spot. So I guess I'll ask this yep. while we're on this topic. If the Lions make a move here, mm-hmm. if Thanksgiving's the cutoff date, that's kind of the one, I, I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it yeah. felt like Thanksgiving always kind of circled as maybe that would be the drop-dead date uh, for a coaching move in season. Is Braden Coombs an interim candidate for you, or is this just going to be Daryl Bevel for five Uh, years?
1: You know, I just, I'm not a fan of the in season firing no matter what. I think I'd say that at the top. Like, I just don't understand, unless a team has quit, you know, it's hard for me to understand, you know, what benefit you get on that. But, you know, teach their own, they can do whatever they want. But with that said, you know, if you're firing your coach and you're not going to make the playoffs, and we all know this, Then is it ridiculous to say, you know, hey, we got this younger guy that we think is a, you know, obviously we don't think he's ready to be the head coach maybe, but we think he's, we like him a lot. And we, you know, we think that he's a good young football coach and maybe there's, you know, we'd like to show him that we want to work with him in his future as he goes forward. Is there a way to maybe reward him in that scenario? (laughs) If that means head coach, I don't know, but like... Maybe something I I don't know, but maybe something because I I, I a couple weeks ago when that kept coming up, I was like, there's no way you do that, you know what's Braden <laughs> what's Braden Combs like 33, 32? I mean he's never done any of this before, so you know that just doesn't seem like you know a realistic thing. But I mean at the same time, 34, sorry uh, on the age there, didn't mean to get it wrong. But like on the same time, it's like I don't know. I mean like there's not a lot of you know I think you know maybe Unland Bevel Coombs. <laughs> Maybe you give them shared responsibilities. I don't know what that would look like. It does feel like he's awfully young for that. But at the same time, if you're going to, if it's just a couple games and you want to give somebody, you know, a chance and you, and you tell them like, Hey, we're investing in you a little bit here. Uh, you know, forget everything else. We really like what you've done and we want to make sure that you you know, you want to be part of this thing going forward one or the other. Or we'd like to make that happen. Maybe that's part of the plan, but, um. I don't know. That's a really hard one. I don't know if I would just say, okay, Braden, yeah. like, you're the head coach. Let's see what you got yeah. for four games. And it, maybe it would hold together. Maybe it wouldn't. But at that point, I don't know what you'd have to lose either. So, like, that's why I would maybe be a little more open to something like that. But it does feel a little insane to, to do that. <laughs> but hey, I don't know. It's 2020.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think I'm with you. I don't really see the benefit of even if they're. I mean, I guess if you're three and eight, uh, and yeah. people are just losing their minds, four and seven, like you maybe you just make a move and say just to get the fans to calm down a little bit for December, even though right. they're not in the building. Like you have to, if you know you're going to make the move at the end of the year, maybe you get a jump on it. I don't know that. Like, I don't think putting Daryl Bevel in as the interim coach is going to flip a switch for this no, team. No, it's certainly not. Yeah, uh, right. yeah, And and Coombs, yeah, if you want to keep him, maybe you do see what you've got. We've seen, you know, Sean McVay, mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan. There's been some younger coaches that have had success in this league. The Rams also did this with their special teams coordinator, uh, I want to say 2000, I guess it would have been before McVay. So whenever yeah. 2016, you know, John Fossil, they bumped him up as their interim coach because they wanted him to be part of the next – regime there yeah. um and so that yeah that maybe is your kind of leap of faith with a guy but uh i yeah I, i'm with you on on the in-season stuff i just don't it's not like you're starting your search necessarily earlier they if right. they're if they're even considering it they should be doing some of that work behind the scenes oh, yeah. right now oh, anyway okay. so yeah. um other Other things that people were happy about uh, I don't think any of this will be Surprises, but the two other names that came up The most were TJ Hawkinson and DeAndre Swift, and I think we can Pretty much agree at this point That those guys have to be huge Pieces to this, regardless Of what it looks like in 2021, 2022 I mean, those are, you said You said the term, you know, foundational pieces Those could be foundational Pieces offensively um, If this offense looks the way It's capable of looking
1: yeah, Swift can fit into any offense. I think that he's sort of shown that both from what he came from, you know, what his what the offense he played in at Georgia was, what the Lions have sort of asked him to do here, and knowing all the things he can do. I think that if you're, you know, looking at, you know, if, you're, if we're looking at next coach or next system or next whatever, Swift would fit into anything. Um, I, I think Hawkinson would as well. I think that, you know, I'm not sure if he's – on the Travis Kelsey level, you know, maybe he's closer to possibly, uh, you know, being like a George Kittle, which is great. I mean, both those players are great, and maybe he's a top five tight end, you know, and I think that he's on the right track. I, I think that there are times where I'd still like to see a little more consistency, you know, in his blocking at the point of attack, um, a little more consistency with, you know, finishing at times, but by and large, no, I mean, he's done about what we thought he would do. I think he's... You know, making plays when when they've thrown them the ball in one-on-one situations. He had a touchdown with that the other day. Um, I do think his blocking's better. Uh, I do think he can be used in a multi you know multitude of uh, of areas. It's it's not you know he's not the the type of flex tight end that's going to just blow the top off a of defense and be like, whoa, what the hell was that? But you know, he's a, certainly a guy that can be on the field for you in any scenario and keep defenses honest. So I think he's definitely a guy. Galladay, I mean, my God, we you know uh, I, what they're doing with that is beyond. <laughs> beyond me but you know those are three guys right there that you, that you look at and you say anybody going forward should be excited about that I think that you know the other thing I would point to and I talked about that in, in the observations too was the offensive line is not that far away from being in a situation that most people would look at and say this this could be really good I mean Decker has been outstanding uh, Ragnow's been what we thought he would be Jonah Jackson has been probably better than most rookies at this point. So that's looking good. Um, and if you can just get sort of maybe one more guy, if Vitae can pan out or whatever, they have the makings of a pretty good line. I mean, their, their line metrics are not bad. I mean, their offensive line is solid. They've got a couple nice pieces. So there are pieces here, not as much on defense. But yeah, I mean, obviously offensively, Hawkinson, Swift, and there's a couple other guys there, too, that you'd say, okay, well, you know, people can work with that. That's not impossible. There's things that can be done here, so it's not a total loss cause. And I think that's why a lot of people at the beginning of the year, you know, continue to get sort of, I don't know if tricked is the right word, but, like, you know, you you, you can buy that the offense has the potential to be something more, and I think that's what's also frustrating. But also, you know, maybe that's a silver lining, too, that people can look at and, and you know, kind of look at going forward.
0: Yeah, the, uh, I'd like to see Hawkinson, you know, we talked about the play calling a lot, but I'd like to see Hawkinson with some different pieces maybe yeah, around I him, agree. not Jesse James as his complimentary tight right. end, not Andola in the slot, like some other guys who are really going to stress yeah. defenses. I mean, you don't need two tight ends necessarily that can do that. You certainly can, if you're going to use Hawkinson as a, um, you know, move him around, it, it helps to have a Jesse James-like yeah. player to play in line, but I, I don't. Jesse James isn't helping take any, pull any eyes right, away from no. TJ Hawkinson. And <laughs> Danny Amendola really isn't either. You pointed out when we were watching that game Sunday, it was, uh, I think it was Kendricks. You know, Amendola ran oh, a, yeah. a crossing right. route that was supposed to, I mean, I think it was the primary read on a, like a third and short. <clears throat> right. And the linebacker just, uh, he didn't even look like he was running hard, stayed right. with him across just the whole route. Yep. Um, so I'd like to see him, you know, I'd like to see Hawkinson with some some more explosive pieces kind of directly around him. And they also don't really, you know, to be on that Kittle level, you know, that San Francisco offense, it's, it's run heavy, but it also, you know, when they throw, a lot of it revolves around getting the ball to George Kittle. right? Um, and we haven't really seen the Lions take that approach with TJ Hawkinson too much either, where they just feature him for 60 minutes and mm-hmm. see what he can do. So I'd like to see that. But, yeah, I mean, I think I – think uh, it's hard to argue against either of those two. Several people did mention the offensive line, like you said. Uh, a couple people seemed higher on some of the defensive pieces. You know, Pennicini we've talked about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I think Deshaun Hand still has kind of affection of people who mm-hmm. feel like there's there's something there, and I don't know.
1: They're not wrong, but it's just not happening. And you know, yeah. yeah.
0: Do you think that is – like it, when we talk about moving forward, if just – Hypothetically, this is a different system next year. It's a different scheme. It's not this like three four, three three five, whatever you want to call this yeah, defense right. that Matt Patricia likes to play. Like if if this is if this is different up front, is Deshaun Hand a better player if they're in a four-three more often, or if they're playing more, you know, up downhill, like hitting one gap. Yeah. Like is he better in those? situations do you think like he can he translate to a, another coaching staff
1: I think the case could be made that you know if you were less multiple but a lot of teams are multiple these days but if you were if you just sort of put him in one spot and said you know work from here and you know figure it out and just be kind of a you know an edge setter or a guy who's the th- a three tech and that's just what you're going to do so that's what we're going to do with you you know focus on that go for I mean there yeah maybe because they do move them around you know, quite a bit to move everybody around, quite a bit. But that's also part of the NFL. And I would say that I do think that he has. Uh, you know, we uh, I've seen I covered Deshaun Hand's recruitment. I've been watching Deshaun Hand play football since he was <laughs> 18 years old. Okay, like that's a unique, weird situation, but that's true because I covered Michigan. He has all of the, th- and this is why people will say this, and they and they're not. That's why I said they're not wrong. He has all of the things, and we see it in practice when we see padded practices, you know, where he can deliver the punch and get the knock back, where he can, you know, do, you know, he can rush speed to, or, uh, you know, turn power into speed, you know, that whole thing, speed to power, whatever you want to call it. He can do all those things, but we just don't see it nearly enough. Like, there was a there was a set, I think, in the, uh, uh what was it, two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now, where he made a play at the goal line that was like, oh my God, where did that come from? And then, you know, you, you don't see it again for a quarter, so... I think that he could probably play in any scheme uh, if you picked a lane and, and put him into it and said, "This is what we want you to do." But by and large, I would say that the thing that's going to turn the key and turn the corner for Deshaun Hand is Deshaun Hand. I, I just I think that it's been deep enough now into his career. You look at what he did in college and what he maybe and maybe argue what he didn't do in college, uh, and you look at what he's done in the NFL and maybe what he hasn't done in the NFL. And it's consistency. It hasn't been consistent enough. The flashes are there. And when you have guys that give you those flashes, just enough times to where you say, oh boy, well, you know, he's right there. Maybe he could turn the corner. But then you keep saying that over and over and over until you say, okay, all I ever say about this guy is, boy, if he ever turns a corner. And then you get to a point where you're like, well, how many more times am I going to say this before it's time to just move on? And, And that's sort of what I look at with a guy like Hand because... Well, I don't think you should throw the towel in on the guy or anything because I do think there's a lot there and he has been hurt. Um, but, you know, how many more times are we going to ask that? How many more times are we going to come on this podcast and say, boy, it'd be different if Deshaun Hand could do that every snap, right? Like, if Deshaun Hand could play with the consistency that Trey Flowers plays with, he'd probably be a pretty good player, but he doesn't. And, you know, that to me is not Matt Patricia's fault. And that's the stuff where I look at that and I say sometimes, and, you know, I think we could we could say that with Tracy Walker too. You know, there's some things that Tracy, Tracy Walker does where he'll look outstanding one second, you say this is the guy that they saw when they wanted him to come in here and fill this role, and then the next minute it's just completely lost. That's not Matt Patricia's fault. That's not uh, Corey Unland's fault. That's not the, the Steve Gregory's fault. That's on Tracy Walker. He's a professional football player. Like he got to be better. And I think there's a lot of that that has to happen here too, uh, with a lot of these younger guys that have talent but it's time to turn a corner now and it has to be on you to do it regardless of who the staff is or who comes in or whatever and I don't know I I think all these guys are working hard obviously but I think sometimes people can use the crutch of well the staff sucks so uh, you know it's not my fault you know (laughs) that kind of thing and uh, well that doesn't really work because this is the NFL and it's not the Big Ten and I think that's that's uh, all things that should be taken into account as well
0: all right well this uh Feels like it might be the end of the road here, Washington, Carolina, Houston over the next, you know, two and a half weeks through Thanksgiving. Uh, If if the Lions don't win, I mean, it really feels like they need to win all three, but if they don't win at least two, we're probably looking at some changes here. Uh, So we'll see where things are at when we get back with you next week after that Washington game before the Lions head to Carolina. Uh, You know, if, if it keeps heading this direction, we'll obviously continue to try and look forward as much as possible into what this offseason will be like and what 2021 might be like but again Washington next week we'll be back with you after that to uh, break down what happened in that game as the Lions return home here for a very start of a very important stretch you can find one of these years on uh, Apple Podcasts Spotify, Google as we mention every week if there's a a spot that you want to listen to us and we're not up yet let us know and we'll uh, see what we can do to help you out there so we do appreciate everyone who's listened and subscribed and rated us so far. So for Nick Baumgartner and uh, Chris Burke, and we'll talk to you next week.